life can get very boring if you're just going through the motions. And, you know, you don't want to be coming home from work and just looking down on your plate to just a plate of grey. And so, even if that's just a small change I can help people make, is just eating something good or something different, I feel that's, that's worth the investment entirely. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. A huge shift in the way many people buy food has had a huge impact on traditional butchers. As the supermarkets pushed into that space, the importance of real butchers has become more evident. For people who care about where their food comes from, fresh food markets, and particularly butchers, have become the beating heart of the community. Bead Wright is the owner of Market Meats, part of the new capital food market in Canberra. Bead, how are you? Very well, thank you. It's great to get you on the show. You're one of Canberra's best butchers. Have you seen the importance of butchers change in recent years? Uh, Definitely, definitely. When I first started, we were one of four butcheries in the markets and every, every suburban area had its own local shops with a local butcher on and they're just sort of falling away and there's very few of us now. And so we're finding just the skills aren't being passed on, I suppose. And tell us a little bit about your customer. Is it, is it someone that is more interested in where their food comes from? I think generally speaking, yeah. Um, so we probably get a lot of younger couples who definitely care about buying local, definitely care about the welfare of the animal and the quality of the animal. And we get a lot of sort of families as well, generally as the boys are getting a bit older and they start eating more, they want to feed them a little bit better, want to make sure that they're getting good nutrition as well. You've been part of the Belcon and fresh food market for many years and, and part of the new development capital food market. How important uh, is market culture in Canberra? I think it's very important, especially in places like Canberra, where you're just offering something different. Uh, supermarkets have their place, obviously. There's no denying that now in 2023. But every bit as important is just a bit of connection. So kind of, uh, I guess, the middleman between where your food comes from and where it gets to you. And so without the market, there's just that kind of disconnect where a lot of people, I don't know, even to a certain degree, they don't understand where their food comes from. Do you work with other tenants within the market? Everyone has their own specialty, but is there is there kind of a network and community there working? We deal with uh, one of the bakeries here, the Need Patisserie. They get their 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 meat from us, and so that goes into all the sausage rolls, the pies, the sandwiches, everything like that. He likes the idea of dealing with somebody local as well. I want to explore sort of what you're doing and particularly with the new capital food market shortly, but take us back to when you were young. Where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play? I grew up in Little Bay in South Sydney. And so I guess the nearest thing, the nearest landmark would be Long Bay Jail. That was down the road from us. Um, Food when I was growing up, I'm from a damn big family. I'm one of six boys and two girls. So there there was 10 of us. And so food was, I don't know, a, a good meal was a big meal when I was growing up, especially with so many mouths to feed. And it was being the sort of the mid 80s as well. 
It was single income with my dad while my mum was at home looking after the tribe. And so I don't think any of us knew the meaning of the word gourmet or artisanal. They just they were foreign concepts to us back then. Are there, are there any sort of dishes or feasts that you remember fondly from growing up? Oh, not well, if I'm honest. Um, dinner often would look a lot like fish fingers and chips or, you know, battered pieces of frozen fish and salad, hot chips from the local takeaway. Um, like I said, a good meal was a big meal back then. Uh, there wasn't much colour on my plate, put it that way. <laughs> well, it sounds not that dissimilar to my growing up too and very common for families in the 80s. What, tell us about your interest in food. When did you sort of first start thinking about a career as a butcher? Well, I kind of just fell into a career as a butcher. I got the job when I was in year 10 and I went to Darham Island and I had a few friends whose dads worked at the butchery and when they were looking for a clean-up boy... I put my hand up because, you know, the idea of earning $5 for a single hour's work was just ridiculous. You know, I was getting $5 a week pocket money and to think that I could work all weekend and take home nearly $100 was, I couldn't believe it. So I kind of, I kind of fell into butchery. It was never my ambition as a, a young lad growing up, but my interest in food, I used to cook with my mum after school a lot. So my mum was always home and I'd get home and we'd make cakes and we'd make biscuits and we'd make slices. So I always in the kitchen with my mum when I was growing up, getting things prepared and getting, even getting the next day's lunches and sandwiches and things ready. And so they had a really good culinary school at Darham Island. So I took up food science and home science and anything kitchen related because it was, you know, it was a free meal. It didn't feel like schoolwork. It was excellent. You could go there, you could cook, you can eat, you can joke around with your mates. And then, you know, the hardest part of it was the washing up. So, yeah, that's where my love of cooking and food and more so eating, I suppose, came from. You mentioned that you fell into butchery, but um, what, what were the sort of really sort of key pivotal moments for you in regards to carving a path as a butcher? When I was in year 11, 12, my grades weren't going so crash hot and I needed to make up some points to get my, my qualification or get my certificate. And so I started doing work experience. So before this point, I was just working as the weekend, just washing up and serving customers. But I started doing work experience there. And so I was just learning the basics of making sausages, preparing meat, rolling rissoles. And it just turned out I had an aptitude for things like that. I was a quick learner. I was probably not probably not overactive between the years in terms of grey matter, but skills I could take to pretty well. And it was just rewarding that you fall into something naturally and you just have an aptitude for it. So the more I was learning, the more I was getting better, the more I wanted to learn and the, the better I wanted to be. And so, I don't know, it was quite a badge of honour that after six months worth of work experience I could even hold my own with uh, people who are getting towards the end of their apprenticeship and even qualified people on certain things. Tell us about the sort of venues you worked at and were there any mentors for you as you sort of built your skills in butchery? I've only ever worked at the one butchery. I'm probably the least experienced butcher in all of Canberra. I've ne I have never had to do up a resume. I've, I've had the same job 
here since 2000. I started during the Sydney Olympics. And so there's, with the exception of moving venues within the markets, I've only ever had the one place. Um, Mentors, my old boss, he was very old-fashioned and his mindset was more quality-based. So a lot of butchers, they tend to run chop shops where it's just get it in, get it out, quick job, sell it cheap, move on to the next where he had more of a more of an eye for trimming and presentation and just um, a bit more old-fashioned in terms of the service as well. So, you know, learning the customers' names and what school their kids go to and what sports they play. And so for a time, yeah, he was definitely a, a mentor to me in terms of butchery. Uh, but there's been a lot of people who have come and gone through the years who have picked up bits and pieces, for better or worse, from. Knife work is at the heart of great butchery. Do you remember the first time you sort of broke down a whole animal like a pig or a lamb and what that was like for you? Yeah, that would be when I was in my work experience in year, year 11. And so they could tell that I had an aptitude for things and they brought me in on a breaking day outside of my work experience just to see how I liked it. And the process I really found fascinating that you could take a whole carcass and even just with a single boning knife, you could break it all down into tiny little pieces. There was, even to that point, there was no mechanical element to it. And that really made me think, this is probably the way they'd been doing it, you know, since well before the Roman times when there weren't any bandsaws, when they just had the hooks hanging on the walls and the outside market areas. They couldn't rely on fridges, bandsaws, cryovacas, minces. And so I found that very interesting that an industry can be around for such a long time, but at its core, it hasn't changed at all. You mentioned that you grew up in South Sydney, but tell, tell us about the move to Canberra. What, what triggered that? Uh, my dad was working for Telecom back in the good old days, and so he just got a transfer to Canberra, and sort of that that was it. That was the single income. There was no ifs or buts about it. We moved we moved from Little Bay or La Perouse, which was skirted, up to Watangra. And yeah, so that was the end of year one. So new school, new friends, new football club, new everything like that. You mentioned uh, you've been part of the markets for quite some time. Tell us about the beginnings of that. What what was it like when you first started at the markets? Oh, it was like the frontier. It was like the Wild West. <laughs> there were there were punch-ups in the car park out the back between the trolley boys, all of who would be showing up drunk and walking around chain-smoking while pushing trolleys. Uh, it was just a very different atmosphere. It was it was like con the fruiterer. I'd, I'd be working initially on Sunday afternoons when it was inside, outside, half price and just people with huge queues and feeling every single avocado and every single rock melon and arguing and haggling. I'd never really experienced haggling before and it was just a big culture shock really to where my lo- my uh, experience of shopping was going to the local shops to buy Mars bars and Cokes and it was it was hectic. It was hectic. I'd be used to washing up, you know, half a dozen plates or I suppose 10 plates 
to coming into work and there'd just be noise everywhere and there'd be yelling and there'd be shouting and banging and it was just frantic and I'd be burying my head in the sink out the back with a stack of steel trays as tall as I am and just just the, the mania and the pandemonium of it. Everything was just so rushed, so full on. It was a very steep learning curve. You earned your stripes as a butcher, but uh, tell us about when you first opened your business. Was it, was it different to what you, would, you thought it would be? Yeah, I would say it was a lot tougher, the going of it, than I had thought. I, I let the old boys that were in the shop at the time get into my head and, you know, there's always the boss bashing. It's easier to, it's easier to complain than actually do something. So I got into my head that all I had to do was the same thing, but without the mistakes that he made and I'd just make money hand over fist. <laughs> and, you know, it was really tough that I obviously thought I was better than I was. And there's just so many things I didn't even contemplate. Uh, managing staff was the hardest thing. You know, stock is easy enough. You look in the fridge, you see what you got last week, you see what you have, you order what you need, you do the breakdown. But it's just all these other little things where I thought, I'm good at the job that I do then, so how could I not be successful? But everything else took away the time that I needed to do that job. And I just spread myself too thin. And I think I put on a pretty brave face initially, but yeah, it it certainly didn't work out the way I had intended. It was a lot tougher than I thought. Uh, at that time as well, there was new competition coming into the markets who were really aggressive in terms of trying to take customers from, from us. And I think my attitude at the time, I was his best friend. So, I, I think I did bigger faves for him than he did for himself, really. Um, but I say that now, but the place that came to be our competition was more discount and more budget-orientated. Those sort of chop shops where they just want in and out, get the money and do it. And I sort of decided then that this is just a fool's game. Why would I want to work 15-hour days? for no money and just run myself ragged. So I decided then I wanted to gear myself more back towards the gourmet side. So care a little bit more about the product, care more about the trim standard, offer interesting cuts, but sort of more traditional things. So be more of a, more of a home cooks butchery. So there's the, uh, there was the silver lining there, I suppose, is what helped me make my mind up about the direction I wanted to take because the one I was taking wasn't working. So. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. And I know you have connections and you're um, very precise about the sort of farmers and meat that you do get in. Do you have any stories of, you know, the different sort of farmers or meat that you do get in? We've been dealing with the same people for way back. We've been dealing with them for at least 20 years and yeah which is just unheard of these days where you know people watch the news and they say oh stock prices are coming down chase down the cheapest thing well I'm not interested in chasing down the cheapest thing to make a quick buck I want to make sure that when I speak to the farmer and when they're sending me product they know that if I'm going to accept it or reject it and they know what I want and I I trade on a standard, not a price. And so 
we've held these relationships for a long time and I don't want to jeopardise that and they certainly don't want to jeopardise that either. Uh, one of the people we've dealt with a lot lately is a guy called Matt Houston. He has Houston pork and beef in Wombat. So if ever people ask if our meat is Australian, you just tell them it's from a town called Wombat and it's, you know, it's conversation over. It's conversation over. And he took over from his father. Not that my father was the old boss, but we both had very similar paths into the industry where he saw what his father was doing and he wanted to take elements, but he wanted to slightly evolve it. And so he started doing his own breeding and he invested huge money into a breeding program, even dieting. So they're on a formulated diet and it's just, it's the best beef I've seen, hands down, hands down. It's not only just about uh, great meat, you make... um small goods, and you also smoke meats as well. Tell us a little bit about the program that you have there. Yes, so we make all of our own sausages. That's just a staple for a butchery. We make our own bacon. I was finding when we were with the old boss, under the old ownership, I should say, he was just buying in pre-made bacon, like Batoshi, Zamet's bacon. And it's, it's what I remember as a kid. It was just always wet. And it was just always a little bit tasteless, a little bit pallid. And so we started making our own bacon. And it was just hands hands above the rest. It, there was no looking back after we made our first batch. And so we source free-range pigs. We do all the trimming ourselves. We make sure there's no little bits of vein or little bits of sinew, little chips of bone. We do the curing process ourselves. We do the boning process ourselves. We do the smoking process ourselves, and that's what—that's why the market smells so nice some days because we have the smoke wafting out across the car park, especially on a still day when it looks like there's a fog hanging over the markets. That's just bacon. And so, with the success of the bacon, we started looking to other small goods. So we started making our own ham. Um, we just offer the one kind of ham. There's a specialty deli next door for the different kinds of ham, but we just, we stay in our lane. We just make the one kind of butcher's ham and we go through a mountain of that. Uh, we make our own spec. In times past, we have made our own Frankfurts and other small goods sausages, but the sales just weren't there, which is a bit frustrating because it's something that I really, I really enjoy doing. I like making all the different sausages and all the different small goods. A few years ago, my big idea was to have the market meet summer of sausage. <laughs> and every week we would find a different sausage recipe, be it a cured sausage, a fresh sausage, a small good from around the world. And we had Metwurst and we had Rookwurst from Holland. We had a Polish Kielbasa, South African Budovers, Tunisian Merguez and Every, every week, it was just a different, and uh, the summer of sausage. It was great. They, they, oh, yeah, it's going to be thrown in with the summer of 69 and the summer of punk. It's just going to be great. And that's something in the new development I really want to get back into because we kind of discontinued and pulled back from that a little bit because the sales weren't there, because the markets itself was in decline. Uh, the old markets was really starting to show its age 
So when it got pulled down, it was the same age that I am now, and I think I was in better shape than the markets. <laughs> and so with the new uh, marketplace, it should bring a much more a cook's crowd. And so I'd really like to get back into making our, our new summer of sausage and extend our small goods. Because we have the equipment, we have the know-how, we have the capability, we have the time, and something I'd really like to pursue. Well, uh, the new development uh, has been in the works for quite a while, but it is opening soon, the capital food market. What are you excited about um, with the new markets? I went and had a site meeting with the builders and the developers just this morning before coming on here, and it's, it's immense. It looks great. Everything is just, even at this stage, looking so high-end. And I think everybody that I've spoken to in the markets that has a stall that's what we want. We've always had this vision of how our business should be and the kind of operation we want, the kind of clientele we want. And I think finally, the two sides of that are going to mesh, whereby which we're all going to lift our game and put in that extra effort because we, I don't know, there's just an air of optimism. <laughs> and, you know, it, you need optimism in small business. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to come in and put 12 hours a day for however many days a week and all the personal and financial investment and emotional investment just to be going through the motions and so I feel for myself I'm really hopeful it looks really good finally uh, the fit out will match match what we're trying to be doing in the cabinets and it's just a really inviting place you know it's just it's just got that new car smell it's great <laughs> Well, uh, you've created one of the great butchers of, of Canberra. What do you love about what you do? I just like creating new things. You just get, it gets a bit monotonous and it gets a little bit drab if you're just cooking the same thing all the time at home. And so I like coming up with these different recipes or finding new things to make in just to keep things fresh, keep things interesting. Because, I don't know, life can get very boring if you're just going through the motions. And, you know, you don't want to be coming home from work and just looking down on your plate to just a plate of grey. And so, even if that's just a small change I can help people make, is just eating something good or something different, I feel that's, that's worth the investment entirely. Uh, as for the work itself, I don't, know, I, I don't mind all facets of the business Sometimes I enjoy the management side of things when you're seeing that just a few decisions can just change your outlook. I enjoy the training side of things when we have new staff or we have apprentices and you, you can tell when you're getting through to them. Uh, and just the work, I enjoy the work as, as well. Well, Bede, uh, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Very much looking forward to seeing what you pull off in the new capital food market. So please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.